Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. And a character study is usually for one of two reasons. First, it can be the purpose of showing us how we do not need to be. For instance, you can do a study on Lot and find out how you do not need to be. Because Lot was a train wreck. Uh, he chose the cities of the plain. He ended up, ended up in Sodom. Uh, his family ruined. And this is not how you, anybody should desire to be. You should not desire that. Uh, and so you don't want your lives to turn out like his, so you can study him and say, okay, I don't need to do that, and I don't need to do that, and I don't need to act this way, and I don't need to think that way, because this is the result of that. Now, I do know people uh, generally have a tendency to say, well, just because it happened to him does not mean it'll happen to me, and the truth is, yes, it does. It does. It is, uh, I believe one man said it is insanity to do the same thing over and over and over and expect a different result. And so it does mean that it will happen to you. So one of the first, first reasons to do a character study is to determine how we should not be. Uh, secondly, it can be for the purpose of showing us how we should be by studying the life of some Bible character. Uh, and it is my intention to look at a man named Phineas today who is one of my favorite Bible characters. And uh, I want to look at him. Now, somebody might say, uh, I don't have to follow the example of Phineas, Brother Tim. The Bible does not tell me that I have to follow the example of Phineas. And I would have to agree with that. The Bible does not say, do as Phineas did. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. However, it does stand to reason that if Phineas was such a man that the Lord was pleased with him, that all those that desire to please the Lord should be more than willing to look at that example and say, well, I'd like for the Lord to be pleased with me. And so I'm going to see what he did and why it pleased the Lord and see that this is an example that I can follow. Y'all agree with that, gentlemen? Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at this man. This is going to be strong, but I'm preaching to men. Y'all can handle strong, yes? And strong is not mean. And strong is not harsh, but it's firm, and it's true, and it's right, and we should be able to handle that as men. And if there ever was a day when men need to be men, we are in that day. So we're going to look at Phineas. Look, if you will, at verse 25 of Exodus chapter number 6. I'm going to deal, first of all, I'm going to deal really with three main uh, character traits. Uh, and I don't know if the last one is a character trait, but three main thoughts. One, I'm going to deal with his faithfulness. Two, I'm going to deal with his fervency. And three, I'm going to deal with his favor. And we should desire these in our life. Look at verse 25. And Eleazar, Aaron's son, now please note who this is because I'm dealing with his faithfulness. 
Eleazar, Aaron's son, took him one of the daughters of Petuel to wife, and she bare him Phinehas, and that is the grandson of Aaron. Aaron is the brother of Moses. You men understand. Say amen. All right, so this is who this is. He is the grandson of Aaron. Now, I want to show you that Phinehas was faithful in spite of his grandfather. That's what I said. I, I, I need y'all to let that soak in. Brother Tim, who's his grandfather? Aaron. And I see uh, in Aaron some things that Phineas did not have. Now, he may have had the tendencies, but he did not follow those tendencies that Aaron did. And so I want to show you just a few things here. Uh, the Lord did use Aaron. We have to say amen. The Lord used Aaron to further his work. Aaron was the first high priest. I say amen to the Aaronic priesthood. That was the work of God. I say amen. But Aaron as a man done some things that were highly questionable in the ministry. First of all, uh, there is the incident with the golden calf. Uh, Aaron gave in to pressure, uh, Exodus 32, 1 and 2. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves unto, uh, together unto Aaron, said unto him, Up, make us gods. Gentlemen, this is ridiculous. Moses is up on the mount getting the Ten Commandments. There's been fire. There's been smoke. The evidence of God has been real. They just come out of Egypt. The plagues, the miracles, they've seen all of it. Y'all understand that? Aaron has been a leader in all of that. Now, all of a sudden, these people look at Aaron and they say, make us gods. Make us gods. Uh, for as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. This is ridiculous. Verse 2, Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. This is so easy for him. How about, have y'all lost your mind? How about, we're not doing this. How about, no. Amen. So he gave in to pressure. Then in verse 4 of Exodus 32, he participates in the idolatry. He received them at their hand, fashioned it with a graven tool. After he had made it a golden, a molten calf, and they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is the feast of the Lord. Now, it appears that Aaron is attempting here to mix and mesh their idolatry with the idea of worshiping Jehovah God. You cannot do that. This is a compromise. It is a, a participation of idolatry. Aaron could chalk it up any way he wants to. This is wrong. It is ungodly. This is what Aaron did. So Aaron gave in the pressure. Aaron participated in idolatry, and then Aaron lied to his pastor. Because Moses, in verse 21, said unto Aaron, What did this people unto thee? I love the way Moses asked that question. How in the world did they get you to do this? Uh, that thou hast brought so, and he, Aaron, you did it, thou hast brought so great a sin upon them. And Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people that they are set on mischief. And I said unto them, Whosoever hath any gold, let him break it off. So they gave it to me. Then I cast it into the fire. Y'all know what he said. There came out this calf. If you read the verses prior to that, 
It does not say there came out this cat. It says that he molded it, he, he worked it, he made it. That's a lie. He's lying to his preacher. Amen. This is the grandfather of Phineas. So we see uh, in Aaron, we see uh, the incident with the golden calf. Then there is an incident with Moses personally. In Numbers 12, uh, 1, uh, Miriam and Aaron speak uh, against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, uh, for he had married an Ethiopian woman, Numbers 12, 1. Uh, they're speaking, the Bible says, that they spake against Moses. Uh, uh, Aaron and, and Sister Miriam verbally speak against Moses. Verse 2, they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Bible says in that verse, And the Lord heard it. Now, understand, somebody said, Well, Brother Tim, I kind of feel like they might have a good reason for this. Well, apparently God did not agree with that. God makes it clear that their words and their actions are neither suitable nor tolerable in verse 8, 9, and 10. Uh, with him will I speak mouth to mouth. God's talking about Moses. He's telling uh, Aaron and Miriam about Moses. I'm going to speak uh, mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in the dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Moses is going to see my similitude. Uh, wherefore then were ye not afraid? Listen to this. Listen to the terminology of God. This is how God says this. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Aaron, what in the world are you doing speaking against this man Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. Now this is what Aaron did and, and, and Miriam did. And so we see that Aaron had some issues. And uh, Phineas did not show any of these tendencies in his life. In every instance that we have recorded, Phineas remains faithful to his God. He remains faithful to his pastor. He remains faithful to his preacher and his people. And although his grandfather had tendencies of weaknesses, Phineas broke the cycle of sin. I'm going to make a statement to you men. I thank God for my grandpa Shirley. He was a preacher. I thank God for my dad. I thank God for my family. I thank God for my lineage. But my grandpa had some things about him that I do not need in my life. And me, it'll get tight when you say that. I don't know what's wrong with Kentuckians that we think that we have to be like grandpa or we have to be like daddy. Listen, it don't mean I don't love him. It don't mean I don't respect him. But my grandfather was too lenient on his sons. And because of that, he has a whole line of wicked children, grandchildren and great-grandchildren, and even great-great-grandchildren that are completely godless. I do not need to follow that pattern in my life. Doesn't mean I don't love him, doesn't mean I don't respect him, but it does mean I do not agree with the way he done things. Can I hear an amen out of you? And for me to be a real man is for me to step up and look at my Bible and say, I'm going to do it that way because that's the right way, and I'm going to be faithful to God. Amen. So Phineas, he did not follow Aaron's example. He was faithful. Amen. Our churches do not need men who follow the patterns of those who were before who failed. We need men who are able to see the weakness of the forerunners and surpass them in their faithfulness. I'm going to say that again. We need to be able to see the weakness of the forerunners 
and surpass them in their faithfulness. Well, they just weren't faithful. I, around home, and I, I guess it's this way everywhere, but around home you hear people say, yeah, he's a good man. I, I cannot tell you how many times I hear people in my community say, yeah, he's a good man. And he's a good man. He's a good man. And I say, oh, well, amen. Where'd he go to church? Well, he didn't go to church. Did he take his family to church? Well, no, they, they wasn't church-going people. There's something wrong with that concept. How many of y'all agree? Well, Brother Tim, that don't mean he wasn't good. Well, they ain't none good. No, not one, first of all. And second of all, yes, there's a failure there. That man failed if he did not take his family to church, if he did not take his children to church, if he did not give them the gospel. That is a failure. And you do not need to say, I need to be like that person if that person is a failure. We don't need to be a failure. We need to be faithful unto God. And that means we need to be able to look at the failures of our forerunners and surpass them. Amen. We've already got too many men in our churches that follow the patterns of their fathers and their lack of faithfulness. Well, my daddy never thought you had to go every time. Well, my, my grandpa thought it was all right to drink a beer. And so we hear these people that they're leaning on their forefathers, but in all honesty, what you're looking at is failure. That's failure in your forefathers. And maybe your four forefathers, and maybe it goes back several generations. But under God, when's a man going to stand up and say, I don't have to follow that pattern. I don't have to be that way. I can be faithful to God. I can be faithful to church. I can be faithful to my pastor. I can be faithful to my church members, and I can be blessed by God. Amen. Amen. And so Phineas did not follow the example of Aaron in his weaknesses. Amen. And as I said, we got too many. They are literally making excuses, compromising for the masses, and mixing carnality with so-called spirituality. So we need some men who will step above that kind. Y'all agree? Just step, amen. Be a man. So that's, that's his faithfulness. Let me deal with his fervency. Go to Numbers 25, 6. This is going to get fun here. In Numbers 25, we're going to go directly to Phineas and an account. In verse number 6, there is a rebel. I'm dealing with his fervency. So in verse number 6, there is a rebel. And behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses, in the sight of all the congregation, and of the children of Israel, who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Now, when you back up in the chapter, and I'm not going to for time, you find that the Lord told Moses to take all the heads of the people, hang them up against the sun uh, for the sin of idolatry with the daughters of Moab. It was therefore clearly known by all the congregation here, this is not good, this is bad, don't do this. People have just been killed by the command of God. So uh, there is a clear understanding, this is wicked, don't do this, okay? Now, in verse 6, notice the specifics of this act. It was a, a man who was an Israelite. It says so in verse 6, one of the children of Israel came. So it was a man who was an Israelite. Uh, he was one of the members of the, one of the tribes of Israel, you could say. He was a member of the congregation. That's, that's literally the word congregation is applied to the nation of Israel on multiple occasions. He is considered to be one of the congregation. Uh, he brought the woman in, and it does so according to this verse, in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel. So he is openly hurting the pastor. He is openly hurting the people. He's walking in there, I can do what I want, ain't nobody going to tell me what I can and cannot do. This is a rebel. 
That is the very definition of a rat. Ain't nobody going to tell me I can't do this. I'm going to show every one of you I can. I'm going to do it in front of all of you. And ain't none of you going to do nothing about it. That's the attitude this guy has. He is doing this while the congregation is weeping, in verse number 6 at the end of it, uh, who are weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and he does not care that they're weeping. He is enjoying watching them weep. Ain't nobody going to tell him what he can or cannot do. Now, let me say something here. There is a time to weep. This ain't it. This guy has brought this Midianitish woman in. She's a whore, and he's, he's brought her in, in front of God and everybody, in front of Moses. Moses is called one of the meekest men by God himself. He's meek. Why is everybody always messing with him? It's amazing, isn't it? And so he brings him right in front of Moses, all the people. This is a rebel. All right, look at verse number 7. Verse number 7, there's a reaction. And when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, well, there's no doubt who that is. The priest saw it. He rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand. So, let's see. First, Phineas sees it. It says, when Phineas, you go to the, uh, after the word priest, saw it, he sees it. Amen. So, he don't turn a blind eye. He don't act like it ain't happening. He looks right at it. He's like, what am I seeing? He sees it, looks at it, recognizes what this is. He sees it. Then he rises up. I like that. It is because no one else is moving, no one else is acting, and he's the kind of man that our churches need who have enough fervency. And, and you say, Brother Tim, why are you saying fervency? Because we're going to see that God said he was zealous. And that means you've got a fire in you. And so he's a fervent, so uh, he, he rises up. Now, why? Did he rise up? The answer is because he could not stay seated. Because there's something in him that demanded that he act. And it does not say, Phineas, you need to go down there and cry with everybody. You don't see Phineas down there weeping with everybody. Oh, why is this happening? No, no, no. This is not, this is not crying time. This is action time. And so Phineas, uh, he sees it and he stands to his feet. As that man comes in with the arrogance of the wicked and this uh, whorish woman on his arm, and he goes into the tent, and the whole congregation knows that everything he's doing is nothing more than thumbing his nose in the face of God and in the face of Moses and in the face of the congregation and telling everybody, bless God, I don't have to do nothing you say. I don't have to obey nothing God says. I'll do what I want. and ain't Nobody can do nothing about it. And Phineas knows it. And he looks around, and they're crying, and ain't nobody moving. And Phineas stands to his feet, and he picks up a javelin. Wonder what everybody thought. What are you doing? What are you doing? And so Phineas, he, he rises up because he cannot sit still. But I wish our churches were full of men that could not sit still at rebellion. Amen. We need men that are loyal to God, loyal to their pastor. I'm going to say loyal to their pastor. Uh, every man ought to say amen to what I just said. Loyal to their church. 
and they cannot sit still when open mockery and rebellion is presented, no matter who is doing it, including one of our own. Amen. This loyalty should go all the way through each of the ministries, from the choir director to the Sunday school director, loyalty to the leadership, loyalty to the God that's over that leadership. That goes all the way up to the pastor, then all the way up to Christ, then all the way up to God. Amen. And the men of the church, they've got their back. Don't got to worry about it. Don't got to look around and make sure that they ain't a knife coming at you. They've got their back. And when a rebel stands up, amen. God give us some men in our church that when a rebel stands up, the pastor don't get the chance to deal with him. Amen. That's what we need. There is a reaction. Then there is a result in verse 8. He went after the man of Israel. He went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through. Now, when I read this, I see that he killed them at the same time. And y'all may not, but I see that he killed them at the same time. I believe they were committing adultery in there at that very moment, and he kills both of them with one hit. So the plague was stained. So what you see, he thrust both of them through, the man of Israel, and the woman through her belly. So the plague was stayed from the children. So Phineas, now let me just show you. He didn't ask anybody. Do y'all see Phineas look around going, uh, what do y'all think we ought to do? He, he, he was fervent. He had a fire in his belly. Amen. And he just got up, and he took the javelin in his hand. He did not wait for anybody. You don't see Phineas looking around saying, anybody going with me? Anybody going to back me up here? You don't see him doing none of that. Phineas sees an issue. He knows this is going to damage Moses. It's going to damage the people. He ain't going to have it. He ain't going to have it. This is God's people. Amen. God's house. God's work. God's man. And Phineas says, that will not happen here. And he deals with it. Amen. He took the javelin in his hand. He was not playing. He was not threatening. And he was not talking. Now, let's learn the truth, men. When men are real, they don't waste a bunch of time posturing. They don't waste a bunch of time posing. Real men don't spend a lot of time talking about what they're going to do. They do what needs to be done. Amen. And gentlemen, in a time when everybody shows everything about their life, amen, we share with the world everything we're doing all the time. I say, God, give us some men that know how to just be quiet. They know how to be quiet, and they know how to take care of business. Amen. And they can do it quietly. And after they do it, they don't have to brag about it. Because they wasn't doing it for praise. They was doing it because there was a job that needed to be done, and they got her done. Brother Tim, are you telling us to go kill people? Of course I'm not. Of course I'm not. Well, what are you saying? I'm saying that we ought to have enough fire in us that when rebels rise up in our church, that the men won't have it. And we got enough fire in our belly that we will rise and we will approach, we will go after that, and we will quell it. We will kill it. Amen. And put it to a stop. Amen. Amen. So uh, he, he dealt with this open rebellion, and uh, he done it decisively. Amen. Uh, Phineas went into the tent, and remember now, not only did Moses and the congregation see the wicked man, y'all need to remember this, not only did Moses and the congregation see that wicked man come through, they saw Phineas take the javelin. 
they saw Phineas go in the tent. I wonder how it sounded. I guarantee you it got quiet. I bet everybody quit crying. Phineas just went in the tent. What's he going in there for? He took a javelin. You reckon there was some noise? Well, I'm telling you, if somebody's going to kill me, I'd make noise. So they hear all that. Phineas grabs the javelin, enters, puts a stop to it. He ain't going to have it. He deals with it. A few years ago, I was up behind the pulpit preaching. There was this young boy that, uh, that announced his call to preach somewhere else. I don't even know where. He was around a crowd that were very pharisaic. I do not like pharisaic Christians, so-called Christians, that feel that they are above. And uh, he, he was around that crowd. Uh, and at that time, there were some men that did not like me, which is so odd. And so uh, he felt like he could make a name for himself by coming to my church. So he came to my church. He sat down in the back, about three pews from the back. He sat down back there while I'm preaching, and I didn't hear it. I did not hear it. But the people there heard it. Uh, while I'm preaching, he's mocking. And, oh, there ain't nothing to that. Yeah, listen to him. Yeah, I'm just mocking. I didn't hear it, okay? Uh, at, at another point, he literally uh, did rebuke me, and I took him outside later. Uh, but he was doing that. Well, there was a man of the church sitting right in front of him. He was a quiet man. And he's sitting there, and he's hearing it. And this boy, he's, he's showing great disrespect, being very mocking. That man, older man, turned and looked at him and said, we don't need none of that junk around here. And you just get up and you get out that door. Somebody said, well, Brother Tim, don't you think that, uh, that he should have talked to him? No, 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 no. No, no, he, he couldn't sit there no longer. The boy's running down his church, running down his preacher, and he couldn't sit there no longer. When did we stop being like this? When did the church folks start listening to people who are running down the other church folk? When did we start doing that? When did the men start entertaining thoughts against their own preacher, actually joining in? When did that happen? We don't need that in the church, amen. Gentlemen, we got enough enemies out there that's standing against us. We don't need enemies inside of the church. We need the preacher. We need the men to be on one page, amen. They need to be for each other at all times, God each other's backs at all times. Well, what if that preacher preaches something that I don't like? Then suck it up and get behind that man of God. Amen. If it's in the book, leave it alone. Get behind that man of God. Amen. Get behind one another. Support one another. Amen. Have the fervency. And he dealt with that boy right then, right there. I say amen and amen. This is fervency, so there's a result. Then there is a reward in verse number 8. You see, uh, there's a reward for the entire congregation. He went after the man of Israel in the tent, thrust both of them through the man of, uh, the man of Israel, the woman through her belly. So the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. There is a reward to the whole congregation. A real man of the church will be a blessing to the entire congregation. Amen. Then there is a reward from the Lord. Now look at verse number 10. 
and uh, see what the Lord does here. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, hath turned my wrath away from the children of Israel, while he was zealous for my sake among them, that I consumed not the children of Israel in my jealousy. Wherefore, say, behold, I give unto him my covenant of peace, and he shall have it, and his seed after him, even the covenant of an everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God and made an atonement for the children of Israel. Note the word zealous that is used by the Lord. It literally means that Phineas felt jealousy for the Lord's sake. His thought was, how dare you bring that in here in the camp of my Lord. Amen. So what did the Lord say about Phineas and his actions? He said he was zealous for my sake, and I give him my covenant of peace. We can say whatever we want about the actions of Phineas. Somebody might say, brother, I felt like this was overplayed. I felt like Phineas went overboard. Well, funny how God didn't say that. Y'all know what God said when he looked down there and he saw them crying? He's like, why are you crying? Nobody's moving. He's like, why ain't nobody moving? But when he saw Phineas get up, take the javelin, and walk into the tent, do you know what the Lord was saying? Amen, Phineas. Amen, Phineas. If you'll do this, I'll bless you. I'll bless Moses. I'll bless the people. Amen, Phineas. Thank you for your zeal and your fervency. Amen. Amen. Need some men with a fire in their belly. Amen. Amen. Okay, I need to get done. Let me deal with this favor. Go to Joshua chapter 22. That'll be my final look. Joshua chapter 22. Now, when you get to Joshua 22, here's what's occurred. At this time, Moses is dead, Aaron is dead, Eleazar is dead, Phineas is now the, the priest, you're in the promised land. Evidently, uh, because Phineas is alive in Joshua 22, that means that he had to be under 20 years old when they come to uh, Kadesh Barnea, when, when, when they came to the border of the promised land and the spies come out and Joshua and Caleb said, we can take it, and the rest of them said, we cannot take it. And I'm wondering, where was Eleazar? Because he had to die in the wilderness. There was only two that did not die in the wilderness. And that's Joshua and Caleb. And then the men that were under 20, and they went through the wilderness with them. Have y'all thought about the concept? How would you like to have been a 19-year-old? I don't know how old Phineas was. I've not done the research and studied it out. But how would you like to have been a 19-year-old young man in the congregation of Israel and find out instead of getting to go into the promised land of milk and honey, you now got to walk around for 40 years and watch people die? all because they would not believe God. How would you like to have been Caleb or Joshua? Caleb more so, I think, who said, we can do it. We can do it. And then for the next 40 years, Caleb has to walk around in the wilderness looking at the faces of those men that would not believe God, the whole time thinking, if it wasn't for you, I would be in my land raising my family because God would have given me the land. For 40 years, he had to wait to die. Well, when you get here, when you get here, uh, Joshua, uh, Joshua chapter 22, uh, you, you see Phineas is there. And uh, in verse number 10, there is a possible rebellion. And I'm not going to get into all of this. Uh, Y'all can study it for yourself, but let me just make it real simple for you. 
when they come into the promised land, there were two and a half tribes, Reuben, Gad, and a half a tribe of Manasseh. Those two and a half tribes were told that they could inherit the land on the wilderness side of the Jordan. But they had to leave their families there, but they, the men of war, had to go across the Jordan with the rest of the congregation. And they had to stay with them and fight until God gave them all the land. Do you understand that? After God gave them the land, then those two and a half tribes could go back across the Jordan, back to that land that God gave them, and they could start building their homes there. All right, so what you've got is that has occurred. And uh, Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, in verse number 10, they had went back across uh, in verse 10 when they came under the borders of Jordan that are in the land of Canaan, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, built there an altar by Jordan. Notice the last part of verse 10, a great altar to see to. This is not just a little old stone altar that they built there just to be thankful for. This is a large monument that they have built. They have erected a large monument, and uh, this is concerning because it is something that they did in the land of Canaan. So it's not just a simple altar of stone from the river, but a large structure. And this caused news to travel. I don't know who saw it. Somebody saw it, and news traveled back to Joshua, and it caused a turmoil among the congregation. Go to verse 11, Joshua 22. The children of Israel heard say, Behold, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh have built an altar over against the land of Canaan in the borders of Jordan at the passage of the children of Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, the whole congregation of the children of Israel gathered themselves together at Shiloh to go up to war against them. Now, it appears that they're thinking in their mind, Reuben and Gad and Manasseh are going to start worshiping a false god. This cannot happen. So there is a possible rebellion. There is a purpose recourse in verse 13. Look at it. And the children of Israel sent unto the children of Reuben and to the children of Gad and to half the tribe of Manasseh into the land of Gilead, Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the priest. There's no question about who that is. It's the same guy. You men say amen? All right. So they said, we're going to send Phineas down there to deal with these two and a half tribes. Okay? So, Phineas is now taking, uh, can't remember how many, I uh, think there was like a thousand men from each tribe, maybe, I'm not sure about that. Uh, I don't have the verse right in front of me. Let, me. let me get it. Let me get it. Here I am, Joshua 22. With him, ten princes of each chief house of prince throughout all the tribes. Each of one was a head of the house. Their fathers among a thousand of Israel. All right, so he gathers these ten princes with them behind him. Verse 15, they came under the children of Reuben to the children of Gad, to the half the tribe of Nassim, verse 15, under the land of Gilead, they spake with them, saying. Now, when verse 15 says, they spake unto them, saying, I, I wonder if y'all would agree with me here, and you don't have to, but since they named Phineas first, since the Holy Ghost seen fit, uh, and Joshua seen fit to name Phineas first, that they sent Phineas, he seems to be the spokesperson, especially since he is the high priest. And so uh, when it says they spake with them, what it means is, that Phineas spoke to them with the backing of all the people behind him. Verse 16, thus the whole congregation of the Lord, uh, thus saith the whole congregation of the Lord, what trespass is this that ye have committed against the God of Israel? 
turn away this day from following the Lord in that ye have built an altar that ye might rebel this day against the Lord. Now, uh, please note, very important, verse number, 18, uh, verse number 17, is the iniquity of Peor too little for us from which we are not cleansed unto this day, although there was a plague in the congregation of the Lord. And in verse number 18, but that ye must turn away this day from following the Lord, and it will be seeing ye rebel today against the Lord, that tomorrow he will be wroth with the whole congregation of Israel. Now what in the world is the iniquity of Peor? What is that about? If you go back to chapter 25, where he shoved the javelin through them too, you go to the end of the chapter, verse 18, here's what the Bible says. For they vex you with their wiles, wherewith they have beguiled you in the matter of Peor. You know what Phineas did? He walked up to the tribes and said, Remember what I did at Peor. I've got the backing of the congregation behind me. I know you're the Reubenites. I know you're the Gadites. I know you're half a tribe of Manasseh. But you can't build this altar here. This won't fly. This is a congregation of the Lord. Do y'all know what y'all know what Phineas had done? Uh, gentlemen, are y'all listening? Because of his faithfulness and because of his fervency, he had built up a favor. Uh, he was favored by Joshua. He was favored by the people. He was favored by the Lord. Amen. Every man of the church ought to desire that the church look at you and say, Hey, I can trust that man. I believe that's a fervent man. I believe that's a faithful man. And because they trust you, they'll favor you when it's time for something to be done. Amen. Amen. This is a great character study. And every one of us right now ought to say, I want to be like that. I want to be like that. I want my preacher to be able to trust me. I want my church to be able to trust me. And most of all, I want God to be able to trust me. I want his favor. Amen. Amen. So there he stands in front of these Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh with the support of the whole congregation behind him because he has proven himself to be a faithful, fervent man with the favor of God. We should desire to be such men. Stand with me. Every head bowed for just a moment. If you gentlemen feel the need to pray on the altar, please come. Um, Paul, you can do what you want as far as music is concerned, but I'm going to pray. And if any of you want to come and pray, that'd be good. Dear blessed Lord Jesus, I thank you, Father, for your word, and I thank you, Lord, for the examples of your men and your word. Lord, I do not feel myself to be a man of faithfulness as I should. I certainly don't feel myself to be a man of fervency as I should. I pray, dear God, that you'd help me, Lord, to have a desire to be faithful above all things, to, to be faithful to you, be faithful to my church, be faithful to my Bible, be faithful to my family, be faithful, dear God, to the Holy Spirit. Help me, dear God, to be a faithful man. I desire, Lord, to be real and to be true and to be faithful. Please help me, Lord, to have that conviction in my heart that I will not be half in, but, Lord, that I will be all in. I pray for the men that are sitting in this building. Lord, how desperately we need men 
who will be faithful above all things, dear God, they'll be faithful. You can depend on them, you can trust them, they won't fail uh, if it's in their power at all, and they trust you to help them to not fail. Lord, I pray for fervency. I know, dear God, that I don't have the fervency I need, Lord, and I know as the older I get, it seems we get tired, Lord, in spirit, tired in mind, and tired in body. And Lord, there's often times that we need, Lord, for you to reignite the fire that we once had. I pray, God, that you would give us a fervency, a burning fervency, Lord, uh, to stand for what's true and right and righteous. Dear God, ready and willing at all times to step up to the front lines of the spiritual battle, uh, the battle for our, our, our convictions, the battle for our Bible. Dear God, help us, Lord, to be men that are fervent, dear God, in very spirit, uh, fervent and fiery, dear God, in our convictions, ready and willing at all times, Lord, to stand uh, for what's right. And Lord, help us, dear God, by those qualities of faithfulness and by that quality of fervency, may we be someone that you would favor in our life and God, somebody that the church could trust and the preacher could trust, dear Lord. I pray this would be the case for every man in the building. And help us, Lord God, just to love you and to love each other and to love our church. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.